Gospel of John, chapter number 20. I appreciate the privilege to be in the house of God this morning. appreciate the stirring in my heart. I got a text from a preacher this morning. Me and him been talking about these last days that we're in. The admonishment that Paul gave to Timothy was not so much about physical things that Timothy was going to endure, but about spiritual things, mental things, emotional things. <clears throat> those perilous times, they'd drain the spirit out of you if you're not careful. And uh, this brother texted me this morning. He said, I feel a little stirred in me to go to my place and preach this morning. I thought, thank the Lord. I went out this morning and prayed. Not just like Brother Tim said in the Sunday school hour, not toot my own horn, but just fits in right here. And I felt a stirring in me to pray. It's been a day or two since I felt that, and I'm glad to feel it in my heart. It ain't all about feeling, but you go without them for a little while, and it'll trouble you. And I'm glad this morning to be in the house of the Lord. I like Brother John said, I don't know what the Lord's wanting to do, but I believe He's wanting to do something. And He spoke in my heart in these last few days, and I really thank Him for what He's done for me already. And I desire your prayers. I just want to be a help to you and give you what's on my heart. Just bear my heart to you this morning. Trust the Lord can take it farther than I. I don't want you to hear my words. I want you to hear from heaven. Leave better than we come today. John chapter 20, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God, verse number 19. Of course, we know the story and the context that's brought us to this point. Jesus has died on the cross. They've put Him in the grave. And then the beginning of John chapter 20 is that record of the women going early in the morning on the first day of the week and Him being risen from the dead. He's appeared to Mary and she has went and told the disciples that he's alive. Verse number 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. 
Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believe him. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach this morning, if God will help me, for just a few minutes out of a phrase that's mentioned both in verse number 19 and then again in verse number 26. And that is the fact that Jesus stood in the midst. I want to preach for a little while this morning on in the midst. I thought about and the Lord began to deal with my heart. And as it's been said already, some have made mention of the fact that this week's been a difficult week. And some will say that because of sickness. Some will say that because of storms that they encounter. Some have had a difficult week because of many bad things. And I thought as God began to do in my heart in my own life, how it's been a, a difficult week. And in reality, I don't know about you, and I'm just going to bear my heart and preach to you this morning and say everything that the Lord will help me and have me to say. But ever since the beginning of the year, it's been a difficult time for me. And I don't really understand. I know that in the last days uh, that we're living in Paris times, I know that uh, there are afflictions for the people of God. It was mentioned in uh, the Sunday school air this morning that uh, many of the afflictions of the righteous. I understand what the Bible said in the book of Job that man uh, that's born of the woman is a few days and them days are full of trouble. I understand what Paul said that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I know Peter said that if we suffer as a Christian, uh, that we're to be happy and counted all joy and that there is a reality in the Christian life that there's an element of suffering uh, that Jesus was our example of a sufferer and as he suffered, we too shall suffer. And really in reality when we think about that uh, many times we only think about the physical suffering that he went through. Uh, but there was much more to that than uh, just the physical things but the mental things, the emotional things. Uh, he endured separation between him and his father. He had never uh, from before the beginning, before time ever was. Uh, God the Father and God the Son have never uh, been separated and that's why he cried on that day on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, there was never a time that there was a separation uh, between him and his father but because uh, the Bible said that he who knew no sin uh, was made to become sin for us uh, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him uh, that there was a separation because God uh, cannot look upon sin and so that caused uh, a divide between him and his father and so if he suffered mentally then you and I will suffer mentally uh, if he suffered spiritually then so you and I and I begin to think about all the things uh, that 
are going on in this day and many are sick. I talked to many people this week. I talked to a dear friend, Brother Hanley Miller, talked to him yesterday on the phone driving down the road. His son, his oldest son, Robin's been diagnosed with cancer. They don't know how bad it is yet, but he said, I want you to pray for my son. I want you to ask your church to pray for my son. And so I'm asking you this morning while I'm preaching to pray for him and to take him unto God and others that are battling sickness. I got a text this morning about a dear saint of God that's in the hospital and suffering through sickness and the sickness of these days and many others. I mean people are going through trouble like I've never seen the men of God and I'm not promoting preachers this morning because I'm a preacher but I'm telling you in these last days men of God are quitting. They're laying down the mantle. They're going this way and that. They're discouraged and they're burning out not just the preachers but the people of God are so discouraged and there's so much suffering there's so much turmoil and there's so many storms I begin to think and examine in my own heart and life I thought Lord why are you doing what you're doing Lord why am I in the place that I am I feel alone and abandoned have you ever felt that have you ever felt that way I mean that's how I felt I'm just preaching my heart this morning I don't know anything else to do but as I begin to think about it, God, about two days ago, began to bring this scripture to my heart. I thought about it for a little while, and then it just went on. But it just kept working in me and working in me. That no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is in the midst. The word midst means just not just in the middle. We could think about it that way, and that's a blessing. To know that he's in the middle of every circumstance. He's in the middle of every trouble. He's in the middle of every storm. But the word in the midst means to be in contact with. That we're in contact with him. Even in the midst of our suffering. Even in the midst of our trouble. The word midst means to be among. That when we go through trouble, he's among it with us. When we go through the storm, he's in it with us. When we endure temptation and trouble, he's there with us. I'm glad this morning to know that he is in the midst. I thought about hearing the scripture. And there are many places in the Word of God where the word midst is mentioned. And some of the things that are on my heart are in the scriptures where that word's mentioned, and some of them the word midst is not mentioned, but we can see the fact that He is in the midst with whoever it is and whatever they're going through. But here in the scripture, we're reading about the disciples, and they're afraid. They're in a place of doom and gloom. They're in a place of depression. They're in a place of discouragement. Their hearts died. They've been invested everything in him. They thought surely he was the one. Some of them had forsaken careers to follow after him. I thought about Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee. They're fishermen by trade. And about that day the Lord came by and they were mending their nets. He said, lay aside these and follow me for henceforth thou shalt catch men. And they forsook all, the Bible said. They left their ships and they left their and they followed him because that is what they believed they needed to do but now the one that they followed the one they put their hope in the one that did the miracle 
miracles, the one that raised the dead, or the one that gave sight to the blind, the one that healed the sick, or the one that made the lame walk again, and the dumb to talk, and the blind to see, the one that did all these things is now dead, the one that put their confidence in, or that he would be the son of God, or that he would be the Messiah, the deliverer, but now they watched him die, they were in the garden with him, and they had to pray, and they couldn't, or they couldn't stay awake, he went a little further, and he agonized with God, and he came back to him and said, why are you asleep, or could you not watch and pray one hour, or watch and pray lest you enter in temptation, or the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, or that same one, in that same garden, or they watched as the soldiers come, and they took him away like a common criminal, or some of them followed afar off, or they watched as they tried him, and found no fault in him, yet they crucified him, or they watched the crowd cry out, give us Barabbas, and to do away with this man, crucify this man called Christ, or they watched that day as he laid his life down, or they remembered the words, no man, I tell to take my life, but I lay it down, but they forgot the words, that if I have to prepare to lay it down, I prepare to take it again. They forgot the testimony that he said as Jonah was in the bed of the well three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. They forgot the testimony where he said, tear down this temple and I'll build it again in three days. All they know is their Lord is dead. He's been put in the tomb. They're afraid of the Jews that they're going to do the same thing to them that they just did to their Lord. They thought he was invincible. They thought he was unobtainable. They thought nobody could touch him. But he's dead and in the grave. That's the way they look at it. Now some woman's come. I mean, she's been among their company. They love her. They trust her. But she's saying things they ain't never heard of before. She's saying, I've seen the Lord. He's alive. Nobody else saw the Lord. I mean, these women come and one of the other Gospels talks about who all it was, Mary and Martha and Salome and, and all these others. None of them saw him. They went running back when they saw, oh, they saw them two angels in white apparel saying, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but for he is risen. As he said, some see the place where the Lord lay. But now you and I can critique them. You and I have the tendency to be awful critical and say they should have believed. But what if it was you in their place? What if it was you that watched the Lord die? How would you feel on this day? Mary stands without. She's a-weeping. She don't believe what she's seeing. She don't believe what she's heard. You say, why? Because sadness has taken over her. Not only is he dead, but now they believe somebody stole his body. And they don't even know where they took him. They have come on this first day of the week. I know this is elementary. We all know this. But I feel compelled in my spirit to preach it this morning. They have come to anoint the body for burial to pay their last suspects. This is the last show honor and dignity that they can give to the Lord. This will be the last time that they ever see him, that they ever touch him, that they have come to do the last thing they could do. And they're not able to do that. She stands outside the tomb weeping and Jesus walks up behind her and he says, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? 
And the Bible said she's supposing him to be the gardener. Now I don't understand all that. I know that God had power to withhold her eyes. I don't know if he appeared in a form that she had never heard, never seen before. I don't know. You can just let the Holy Ghost speak to your heart. I do read in one of the scriptures where the Bible said they would have taken him and made him a king by force, but he went through the midst of them and disappeared from their sight. I read in this scripture where the doors were shut and he appeared in the midst of them. So he's God. He can do whatever he wants to. But he appeared and she supposed him to be the gardener. She said, sir, if you've taken his body, please tell me where you've laid him. What she's saying is, just tell me where he is, I'll go get him. If you don't want him to be here, I mean, we got to think about all the circumstances and all the things that have brought us to this place. He was in a borrowed tomb. It was not his own. It was Nicodemus' or Joseph of Amethyst's tomb. Him and Nicodemus begged the body of Jesus, wrapped him up and put him in the tomb. Maybe she thought somebody didn't want him there. Maybe she thought the family didn't want him there. And she said, if you've taken him somewhere, tell I'll go get his body I'll take care of him she's sad and I'm going to tell you something about sadness real sadness I'm not talking about just feeling a little bad in your spirit but real sadness sadness of spirit and sadness of heart will blind your eyes to the things of God if we're not careful we'll not see his help we'll not see his hand we'll not see his presence in the midst of our trouble and the Bible said that he said unto her Mary and immediately she realized who he was went running after him to get hold of him and hug him he said touch me not for I have not yet ascended to my father but he said go tell my brethren that I'll meet them in the city and here she has she's come run and told all these men the Lord's alive the Lord's alive Peter and John they're the first to jump up and they go running toward the tomb the Bible says John outran Peter and he stopped on the outside and stooped in and looked and did not go in Peter went on in past John and he saw the place where he lied and the grave clothes and the napkin laying in a place folded by itself and there's significance in Jewish tradition in that and custom that if a traveler was going to return he would fold the napkin and lay it in a place by itself and so it was signifying to them he wouldn't return again but the Lord now they've assembled together I don't know what they're talking about I'm sure they're probably talking it's the same day all these things transpire on the same day. The Bible says it in the scripture we read in verse number 19, then the same day at evening. This is the night time. After all these things have come to pass this day, and you know the subject, the topic of the conversation is, has anybody seen the Lord? Nobody has but Mary. Nobody's seen him yet at this time. And I'm sure, the, and I'm just kind of preaching between the lines. I don't think I'm doing any discredit to the Scriptures. It's on my heart to say it this morning. I'm sure that the, the conversation probably shifts a little bit and says, well, if you've not seen Him and I've not seen Him and none of the rest of them have seen Him, I, I don't know who might have said it. I know Thomas wasn't in the midst. We call him Doubting Thomas because of the, the Scripture that we read. But put yourself in Thomas' shoes. You'd have probably doubted too. But yet they all began to talk. Matthew and, and James and John and Peter and Thaddeus and Bartholomew, all of them are talking one amongst another and they're saying, have you seen him? No, I've not seen him. Have you seen him? No, I've not seen him. Have you? No. And the list goes down the line. Nobody has seen the Lord. 
And they're probably thinking, well, he ain't really alive. We're just going to have to stay here and we can't leave. The Jews are waiting on that. That's what the Bible said. They were assembled together for fear of the Jews. And what they're saying is they're going to catch each one of us and do the same thing to us that they've done to our Lord. And then the Bible said all of a sudden, in the midst of their sadness, in the midst of their despair, in the midst of all their trouble, Jesus appears in the midst. And he says, peace be unto you. They were in a place they didn't have no peace. And I don't think it's any coincidence that it was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour. But I'm going to tell you if you're in a place this morning where you don't have no peace, it's the most miserable place to be in. It don't matter what's caused the loss of peace. Maybe this morning that you're lost and you've never been saved. If you're lost, you don't have the peace with God. That's the most important peace that anybody can have. But the Bible speaks of another peace. There's peace with God that happens at salvation when we get born again and we're reconciled unto God through Christ and we obtain that peace with God not by all men but by Christ but then there is the peace of God and it passes all understanding and Peter said it would keep our hearts and our minds not just our hearts but our minds so there is a reality that the war that's in your mind can still lay the peace of God and that's where they were. They were no less the disciples of the Lord. They were no less men called by God. It did not take away their position. It was just the fact that they were in trouble and they were in turmoil because of their storm and their situation and their sadness. They had lost the peace. They had lost the hope. They had lost the joy. But Jesus said, Peace be unto you. And I read in my Bible, it stirred my heart last night where the Bible Bible said then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. You say, what does that mean, preacher? I don't know what it means to you. But I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost said to me. In the midst of their sadness, He was their gladness. I'm going to tell you this morning, if you're in a sad place, if you're in the midst of sadness like the disciples, if you have given up on peace, or peace has given up on you, if it's forsaken you, if you're in trouble and you don't know where to go, I'm glad He's in the midst and He can be your gladness in the midst of all your sadness. Then the Bible said, he spoke to them, believed on them, said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. But our Bible's very descriptive. And the Word of God and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost let us know that Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them. And he was in the same shape that they were in. Maybe worse shape than they were. They all now have saw the Lord. You'd have thought. I mean, maybe this one woman, they thought she's crazy. We don't think, we don't believe her. She don't know what she's talking about. I mean, she's went so far, got so low. She's seeing things. But now, all the disciples have saw the Lord but Thomas and they no doubt all went and told him in the scriptures it says they told him we saw the Lord he said I'll not believe until I see the prints of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the prints and thrust my hand in his side you say that's awful no that's probably 99% of most of God's people would be today if we were in the same shape that they were in he said I just can't believe it 
I watched him die. I watched him carry him to the tomb. I watched him roll the stone in front of the door. I just can't believe he's alive. And the Bible said a few days later, they're all assembled together again. But this time Thomas is in the midst with them. And their doors are shut. No doubt the conversation is probably a lot different than it was a few days ago. A few days ago they were saying, have you seen the Lord? No. Have you seen the Lord? No. And whenever no, their countenance and their spirit gets lower and lower and lower. But on this day, some of them are saying, I can't believe he's alive. Can you believe he's alive? It's so good to have the Lord back again. And I believe, I never thought about it till just now, but the Lord's putting it in my heart. Have you ever come to the house of God and felt like everybody else was getting in but you? Everybody else felt his presence but you? Can you imagine how Thomas felt on this day, the only one that's not seen the Lord, the only one that does not believe? He's sitting on the outside even though he's inside. All of them are rejoicing. He's a doubting and full of despair. I mean, he's given up all hope. But all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the midst. And he don't say, brethren. No. He says, Thomas. I don't know if that does anything for you, but it does something for me. A message Brother Ronnie Jones preached is coming back to my heart right now. And he preached he'll come for just one. He didn't come that day for all of them. He come that day for Thomas. And Thomas alone. I'm going to tell you they've been some days in the house of God. You couldn't convince me any otherwise. He didn't come for everybody. He come for me. And if you've been saved for any length of time, they've been some days he's come just for you. He said, Thomas, I'm here. Now, Thomas didn't say these things. Ain't it amazing the Lord knows your heart? He knows what you think before you say it. Thomas didn't say these things to the Lord. He said these things to the disciples. And there's no record that him and the disciples have had any conversation between that day and this day. But yet the very thing Thomas is feeling, the very thing Thomas felt, was the very thing the Lord addressed. He said, Thomas, I'm here. Look at my hands, Thomas. Touch my hands, Thomas. Thrust your hand in my side, Thomas, and believe. The Bible said, Thomas declared, My Lord and my God. You say, What happened, preacher? In the midst of his doubt, he was the belief. I'm going to tell you this morning, he was the proof, he was the evidence, whatever you want to call it. If you're here this morning and you feel like Thomas, oh, we're hard on him a lot of times. We label him doubting Thomas. But if you've been safe for any length of time, you've been a doubter too. And so have I. There been days I've doubted the hand of God. There been days I've wondered if he could bring me through what I was going through. There been days I wondered if he cared or not. But I'm going to tell you in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your discouragement, I'm glad he's the proof. He's the evidence that God does care about us. He's in the midst. In other words, 
I don't know if it's doing anything for you this morning, but it's helping me to preach. And I just feel like preaching this morning. And what that means is when Thomas come in contact, that's what that word miss means, in contact with. When Thomas come in contact with the Lord, his doubts all fall away. And when they come in contact with the Lord, their sadness went away and gladness came in. I'm glad for the day saved me. I'm glad hell moved out and heaven moved in. And they've been some days since that day I've come in contact with him again and my sadness changed to gladness and my doubt to believe and my despair to hope I'm telling you this morning he's in the midst wherever you are whatever you're going through he's there with you you may say preacher it don't look like there's any hope oh he can be in the midst there too I got to thinking I just got to running references in the Bible. I felt compelled. That's what I was supposed to do. And I got to running references where it mentions the midst and Jesus. And it took me to Revelation chapter 5 where John's been caught up and he's a seeing things and a pinning down his revelation. He said there's a book sealed with seals. And he said no man. He said they searched and there wasn't nobody found worthy to open the book. Wasn't nobody on the earth, under the earth, in heaven, or below the heaven, above the heaven. He said, what nobody found worthy to open the book. And John said, I fell on my face. And he said, I started to cry. He said, what happened to John? I mean, why would John cry? John's seeing things that no man's seen. That's how our flesh works. I mean, that's what the Holy Ghost said to me. That's how much our flesh has rule and reign over our spiritual man at times. In the midst of a revelation, John's hope was taken away. John was in despair. That's what he was in. He fell down and he wept and he cried. And the reason he cried is no man was found worthy to open the book. I don't know what all God had put in John's heart about this book. But it was very evident that it was necessary that this book be opened. There's a lot of opinions about what the book is. Many believe it's the book of life. That's what I'm technically inclined to believe that it is. But what it is don't really matter. But the Bible said nobody was found faithful or able or a word that opened the book. John said, I cried. He said, I wept and I cried. He said, What are we going to do? I mean, we got to Revelation chapter 5. Lord, what are we going to do now? You ever been that way in your life? I mean, He saved you, He's kept you. We sing that song, it's grace, and it's brought us safe thus far, and we forget most of the time, it'll be grace that'll lead us home. And we forget about all them other chapters of our life that the Lord's brought us through. We focus on where we are now, and I'm saying we, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. We lose hope, and we get in despair. But the Bible said one of the elders have touched John, and he said, see thou weep not, for the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's prevailed and found worthy and opened the book. That elder said, there's hope, John. There's hope. John says, I stood up, I wiped my eyes. He said, I started looking for a lamb or a lion. He said, I couldn't find no lion. But he said, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. He said, all them four and twenty elders 
they bowed, fell out of their thrones and on their face, and they went to worshiping the Lamb. And they cried, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive majesty and honor and glory and power. For thou hast prevailed and been found worthy to open the book. John said it did leaps inside my soul. And you say, What happened? He turned John's despair into hope. One minute look hopeless, but when he's in the midst, hope is renewed again. He may be here this morning may be in a situation where it looks like there ain't no hope. I'm going to tell you, if you ever get in contact with Him, I'm glad hope will be renewed again. We could go on and on and on and on and on and on. We could talk about the storm in Mark chapter 4. Though the word midst is not mentioned there, He's in the midst with them. His disciples are being obedient to His command. They're going across the Sea of Galilee. But while they sail, a great storm of wind comes. He's asleep on the, in the hind part of the ship on the pillow. They go to Him and awaken and say, Master, cast thou not, but we perish. And He arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea. And the Holy Ghost made my heart focus in on what the Bible said. And it said, And there was a great calm. I'm going to say this morning, in the midst of your storm, he can be the calm. Somebody wrote a song and the singer sang it. Sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms me. It may not be your lot at this moment for your storm to stop, but I'm telling you, in the midst of your storm, He can be your calm. He can let you know that everything's all right. Oh, He said, why? Wherefore didst thou doubt? Oh, ye a little faith. Oh, there have been days in my life I thought, Lord, do you care? Lord, are you going to come through? And then he steps up on the bow of my ship and he says, Peace be still. Ain't it amazing in all these scriptures? And no matter what they were going through, no matter what they felt, he brought peace in their heart. I'm going to tell you this morning when he steps on the scene, or when he's in the midst, when you come in contact with him, it won't matter what's going on in your life. He's the peacemaker. When he comes where you are. Oh, we could talk about, I thought about Luke chapter 2 and that great record of the birth of the Son of God and the darkness that they were in. They hadn't heard God speak for hundreds of years. Been no light in the temple. Been no, nothing, no religious work going on. Everything was silent. No prophet, no word from God in the darkness of their day. But all of a sudden, in the middle of all that darkness, in the midst of all that darkness, there sprang a light. That's what John said. John said in him was life. And this life was the light of men. Out of the darkness came the light. I thought about his parents took him to the temple as Joseph and his mother Mary carried him up there that day. And at that elder man Simeon was in the house. It had been promised to him he would not see death till he saw the Lord's house. And the Bible said he took him up in his arms and he blessed him. And he called him alive to lighten the Gentiles. Light had come in the midst of darkness. And I'm going to tell you this morning when you're in the dark. Oh, I thought about Paul on the ship in Acts 27. I say a lot about that scripture, but I believe it's so relevant to our day in the church. 
They was in the dark, hadn't seen the sun or the stars in many days. And the sun never did come back out. As far as I know, the stars never did appear. But there's a light sprang forth in the darkness. When that angel of the Lord come and said, Fear not, Paul. God's given thee all them that sail with thee. Paul said, Sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God. He may be in the dark this morning looking for the sun the stars and they ain't appearing. I'm going to tell you, if he's in the midst, if you come in contact with him, they'll come light out of your darkness. Oh, the list goes on and on and on and on. We could talk about Lazarus. We could talk about Jairus' daughter. We could talk about the widow name. When death was all around, life came on the scene when the Lord was in the midst. I don't know where you are this morning. You may just feel like me, like I did just down, discouraged, May feel like the disciples. Maybe there's no hope. Your thoughts are filled with doubt and turmoil. Sadness has gripped your heart. You may be like John in Revelation and feel like hope's been stripped from you. Despair's set in. You may feel like the disciples on the boat and you're afraid and you don't know what to do in the storm like Paul. Or you may feel like others and many, many other things we could say. But I'm going to tell you, regardless of where you are, and regardless of what you're going through, He's in the midst. You say, preacher, I can't find Him. Just hang on. You'll come in contact with Him somewhere along the way. I thought about what the writer said about Him being the lily of the valleys. You may be going through a dark valley, and you may be looking around to find Him, and you can't find Him. Just hang on. A little longer, you'll see the lily. You'll come in contact with Him. And when you come in contact with Him, He can change it all. He can take away your sadness and give you gladness. He can take away your doubt and give you faith. He can take away your despair and give you hope. He can take you out of the darkness and bring light back into your life again. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, He's in the midst with you and He'll help you through as we stand all over the house, I'm done.